If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6. We started doing something a little different. Uh, you know, we've been doing for years now what we call our lunch break devotional. It's a, it's a Bible study online, Facebook, YouTube, on Tuesdays at noon. And the Lord just placed on my heart a couple of weeks ago, so we changed it a little bit. And I want to thank everybody who does watch online. Some of you are live. Some of you are after the fact. Thank you. Gets a, a very good response. But the Lord placed on my heart to make a change a little bit. And so a couple of weeks ago, we started doing not a weekly online Bible study. We started doing a daily online Bible study. Right. Right. <clears throat> right. uh, and I'm not... And how long we'll do it, I don't know. I'm just looking for the direction of the Lord, and we just kind of walk it out. But the Lord placed on my heart. So today we're going to do a message, and it's basically the, for lack of a better phrase, it, it's we're going to review. Now, we're doing, you could say, a summary of what we've done over the last eight lessons. So if you want to dig deeper, go online, Facebook or YouTube. You can subscribe, hit the notification button to know when we're doing it live. We're still looking for the mind of God, so we're doing it at different times. Um, so some of you are like, you know, it was earlier, it was later. I know, we're just trying to figure out what works best and what is the direction of God for that. But it, the reason I tell you that is there's a lot of teaching there. And so what we do on Sundays is never, never the exhaustive concept on any topic. You have to understand that. What we do is a series. We might do some topics. We've done four, eight. I've done some topics that go three or four months. But even then, nothing's an exhausted. That means that we never get to the end of that subject and we're done with it. And everything really does intertwine together. And so this is a way for us to do what we're doing on Sundays, but also to allow you to have an avenue that, hey, something struck my chord. I want to study it, research it, that you can dig deeper. Amen? Amen. So that is going on. So we, have, we did a eight-part series, and we talked about the seven elements for a powerful prayer. Say the seven elements for a powerful prayer. Now, the word elements can represent ingredients. You can call it anyone you want, anything you want. For those who are baking and cooking, you know ingredients are important. You have to get the ingredients right. You have to have the right ingredients and, and to understand to get something to turn out. Just because you bake chicken doesn't mean you know how to do it because you just have chicken. Come on, somebody. Just because you know how to fry chicken, you got grease. You, there's a lot of moving parts. Why does that cake taste so bad? Well, I don't know. You know I mean, I thought I did everything right. I followed the directions. Yeah, but if you didn't get the ingredients right, you didn't use sugar. You used salt. And it, though they might look alike at first appearance, they don't taste. The experience is different. Some of us have been chewing on salt and not knowing, wondering why we're not tasting the sweetness of what God has for us. I don't know where you get your supplies from. Come on, somebody. Well, you've got to make sure you get them from the right source. Amen? You can't get them from religion. And I define religion as man's rules that get to God. That's the, the control, man controlling, telling people what they have to do. And I believe in a real relationship with Jesus Christ. And his word. There's only two things sacred here at Hope Church. Not methods, not locations, not buildings, not titles. The two most important sacred things to us is the presence of God and the word of God. Can I get an amen? Not denominations, not rules, not 
You know I mean, I believe if you keep your spirit sensitive to the presence of God and have a clean, clear conscience, you're not perfect. Nobody is, but you'll be growing. And you're sticking to the Word of God. You're going to be growing. Yeah. Amen? Because yeah. we can never outgrow growth. Can I get an amen to that? Yeah. You never get to where you know so much of the Bible that you don't need to learn anything. And if you learn something today, that means you didn't know it yesterday. So never look at somebody and say, oh, they got a long way to go. Why don't you look in the mirror? We all have a long way to go. Until we can get to where we're glorified and our physical body is, is transformed and glorified. I mean, we all have a long way to go. But that's not a bad thing. That means every day you can wake up and say, Lord, what am I going to learn today? Because I don't know about you, when the Holy Spirit reveals a scripture or a context to me, it encourages me, not discourages me. You know, when man tries to teach you, you walk away feel discouraged. When the Holy Spirit teaches you, you walk away encouraged, stronger, not weaker, more, more optimistic, not, not pessimistic. You're, you're looking like, wow, that was awesome. I, I get to, it's like getting a new toy. It's like getting a, a new gun, getting a new car, whatever you want. You want to take it for a drive. I'm ready to get this. You'll get a new car, and they're like, where are you going? I'm going for a drive. Where are you going? I don't know. I'm just wanting to drive. And so when the Holy Spirit teaches us, it becomes a whole different ballgame. Amen. Amen. And so in this uh, seven elements for a powerful prayer, you can call it ingredients. I'm going to change a little bit just for today. It's not just for having a powerful prayer, and God wants you to pray, and God wants you to pray with power. James says that, that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much, which means produces much change. Yes. You'll find your life, the more you spend time in prayer, there's a lot of different things that will change in the rhythm of life. One of the things, and this is my opinion, you can disagree, is that you'll complain a lot less when you understand the power of your prayer. Right. Right. right? It's like if you have money to buy what you're hungry for, you don't sit there and complain about being hungry. You just order it. Right. I don't have anybody bringing me food. Well, get on DoorDash. They'll, they'll bring it right to you. <laughs> Come on, somebody. When you understand the power of prayer, you don't have to complain about a situation. What do you do? You take it to heaven. Yeah. You bring the word and bring alignment of the order of God into it. And so seven elements, if you take a note, seven elements for a powerful prayer life. Not just powerful prayers. Because to me, this is more than just a prayer. This is actually how to help each and every one of us pray and have a prayer life. Now, for some, this is going to be new for a lot, maybe not new, but it could be a great refresher. Oh, yeah, I got to remember to include that when I'm spending time in prayer. If you're new to the kingdom of God or to salvation, most of the time you think prayer is just asking for something. And you might hear people say, oh, I, you know, I just been, I spent an hour in prayer yesterday. And you think to yourself, Phew, I'm so glad I'm not them. I don't have that many problems. Because some people think prayer is only about at, you know, dealing with problems. And prayer can and should include dealing with issues or situations in life. But it really is that walk, that time you spend with the Lord. And it includes so much more. Can I get an amen from all the saints that know what I'm talking about? And so by now, if you're not in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, don't worry about it. Just put your thumb in the Bible and act like you were there. I gave you plenty of time. Chapter 6, verse 9, King James translation. Basically, let me, before I read this, 
the disciples in Luke's gospel, chapter 11, is the same, con- same storyline, but brings a little different context. The disciples heard John the Baptist basically teach his disciples to pray, and the disciples went to Jesus to teach us to pray. And a couple reasons I bring that up, and I think it's important that brings some value into the modern-day church, is that there's a tendency to not do what the disciples did. They could have logically, practically, and even spiritually looked at prayer from this perspective. One, we'll let Jesus handle it. I don't need to know how to pray. I'll let Jesus knows how to pray. He's, he, if anybody knows how to pray, Jesus knows we'll let him do it. Jesus does all the praying for us. Everybody agree? And the disciples will be like, that's cool with me. If I have a problem, I'll tell Jesus, he'll pray. Or they could have said, you know what, I don't need to learn how to pray. I just know if I cry when I pray, I'll get an answer. If I really feel it and want it, then God will do it. Both of those mentalities happen in the church world. We don't want to learn how to pray in in some situations. People don't want to learn how to pray. They want somebody else to know how to pray. And as long as I have their cell number or can text them, I'm good. But the disciples were like, no, we want to know how to pray. I appreciate that. Also, they, were, they understood that there had to be some training and teaching to pray effectively. Otherwise, it wasn't just emotion. Because what you have to realize, the intensity of an emotion never defines the will of God or God answering a prayer. Right. Oh, God. And people have cried tears of agony and felt pain and thought that would move the heart of God. And that doesn't move the heart of God. It doesn't mean that God is, not, is heartless or don't care. No, you have to find out how the king does stuff. Yeah. Seek first the kingdom of God, Jesus said. Right. Please challenge everything I say and anybody says to you with the word of God. Jesus said, listen, don't be like the world. Your father knows the things you need. Just like what they're, but they're striving the wrong way to get it. He said, seek first. How does the king do it? Find out the kingdom, how the king operates, the policies and procedures of the king, how we're supposed to pray, how we're supposed to live. Seek first, make that a prior in your life, then all these things will be added unto you. Amen. And so they understood that there had to be some level of knowledge or training or teaching for them to begin to pray effectively. And so they asked Jesus in Luke's Gospel, chapter 11, teach us how to pray. Now, instead of saying, you do it, or we don't care, we'll just let it happen, flow organically, and we'll just throw a dart of prayer and hope it hits a bullseye, that's not how it works. That reminds me of a story of a man who went to visit his farmer friend. And as he pulled into the property, he saw on the barn all these all these painted bullseyes. And in the center of that bullseye was a hole where the guy had shot his rifle. And he was impressed that there was a bunch of bullseyes, a bunch of targets, and a bullseye hole in each one. And so he went up to him and said, I didn't know you were that good of a marksman. He's like, what are you talking about? He said, I saw you were doing target practice on the side of your barn, and you had painted all these targets, and you had a bullseye in every target. How did you get so good? He goes, I just figured a different way of doing it. Well, tell me, I want to know how to do it. He said, instead of painting the target and shooting, I shoot and I come back and then paint the target. And for a lot of Christians, that's kind of what they do in prayer. They'll pray and whatever happens, they'll paint the target and say, this must be God's will. This must be what should be done. Come on, somebody. But we can learn, say, I can learn how to pray. And so there's levels of power in prayer to be effective. And so they asked asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. And now we're back to Matthew 6. And he said, after this manner, therefore pray. 
Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Um, before we get into the first element, I want to bring the attention. He said, after this manner, in the King James, the word manner, you could break it down to also include the word pattern. How many times have you seen movies where a plane's going down and everybody starts reciting, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, the kingdom come. And I'm, my challenge to you is I don't believe, and you can disagree with me, that's fine. We can still pray for each other and love each other. My my perception is Jesus wasn't saying recite this prayer. He was saying there's ingredients in this prayer I want you to learn. See, and when Jesus would teach, he didn't teach like what we want people to teach us. We want, the, we want everything made super plain. But he would always give enough that you had to pursue to get the deeper meeting. Right. He would tell parables. Why are you teaching parables, the disciples asked Jesus one day. He said, because the, just because they have eyes, they might not see it. Ears, just because they hear it, they might not understand it. I don't want them to get it just because it's been spoon-fed to them. I want them to discern it, and that comes from a heart desire to push in deeper and let the Holy Spirit reveal it to you. See, if you want, oh God, you just make it super plain and just force feed me, and God, I'm not going to do anything. You don't get it because it's the, those who are hunger and thirst after righteousness, those are ones to be filled. It's when you get enough to, to start your curiosity. That's why the Lord placed it on my heart years ago to create a pattern that even when I'm ministering and preaching or teaching, I'll give some scriptures that will be on the screen, some I'll quote with reference, and some I'll just quote without a reference. I do it in three different tiers, not by accident, but strategically. Why? Because I want you to be curious or angry enough about the topic to challenge it on your own time. Because it's when you're on during the week saying, I'm going to check this guy out. I don't know too sure if he's right or wrong. That don't, that's not the way I've been taught and you begin to search it out, that it's in that time the Holy Spirit can reveal the Word to you and you grow deeper in the things of God. Are you with me? And so he wasn't saying, recite this prayer. Man, some of us have recited that prayer on everything. Someone's sick, we're reciting the prayer. The plane going down, they're reciting the prayer. You lost your job, you're reciting the prayer. And it doesn't, we don't see anything changing. We don't know what's wrong because we've been reciting the prayer. Jesus, help me. I'm praying that prayer. And I believe the reality is that there is elements to this prayer. After this manner, after this pattern, pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The word hallow in the Greek, literally that word hallow means holy. Holy is your name. The name represents the character and nature of God. In the Old Testament, they didn't know who he was, and his, they knew his name was so sacred that they would leave it blank in their writing. They'd come to the space of naming God, and they would leave it blank. Because how do you define God with a name? Because anything that is defined by a name limits God. Because he is, he is without measure. And the very fact that you use a language with words that have boundaries for definition, because you have to have boundaries and definition in any language with words so that it can be understood what you are saying when you're saying to someone. But the fact that you have laws and boundaries and rules and limits to that word, the moment you use a word to define the word that has limits and boundaries to define someone without boundaries, you have already discredited the potential of his greatness. And they understood the context that God is so great that any word we use is not good enough. That's why Moses, when he stood before the burning bush and said, Lord, when you send me back to your people, they're going to ask me who sent me. And I want to know, what name should I use? There's, there's always more than just I'm wanting to have an idea of a name. He was digging deeper. Moses was a man that loved God, and he wanted to go deep in the things of God. And he said, Lord, I, who, who should I say sent me? And he said, tell him I am that I am. 
And throughout the Old Testament, when God would do something, He wanted His people to know Him, to worship and love Him, but to, but to know who He was. He wasn't saying, I'm going to keep you in darkness. He said, I'm bringing you to the light. And so anytime he would do something, he would reveal a covenant name that they would understand him by. And so the context of this, that it, it, you got Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Tiskanu, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Shalom, all of them representing a, a nature of God. And so what was he saying? When you start off in your prayer time, don't start off asking for something. Start off worshiping someone. Yeah. Don't start off saying, God, I need, God, I want, God, I should have, God, why did you allow this? Start off saying and begin to worship him. The Bible tells us that the name of the Lord, the psalmist said, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The literal translation says the name of Yahweh is a tower of strength. And those who run into it are elevated. See, God's not trying to help you escape. God wants you to begin to dominate the way he dominates in him. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We'll get to that in a few seconds. How do we, how do we run into the name of the Lord? We do that by worship. We enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise, be thankful unto him, and bless his name. Yeah. When you begin to not just thank him for what he's done, and that's important, and praise him for what he's done. See, praise is about what God has done, his ability. Worship is about who he is. Yeah. People think they know people on, because you see them on TV, and you know what they have done, but you really don't know who they are. Right. Right. It's not until you spend time with somebody you get to know who they are, exactly. their heart. See, the Bible tells us that Israel knew the acts of God, but Moses knew the ways of God. I believe I'm talking to people that just are, just are not limiting themselves to knowing what God has done or is doing, but want to know the heart of the Father. They want to know his heart. David was a man after God's own heart. So praise will talk about what God has done and his ability and his strength, and that's an important thing to do. We have to praise him. But there's another level, and that's worship. I enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise, and I bless his name. It's all a part of a pattern that God created in the Old Testament called the temple, the outer courts. In the outer courts, they, could only, they had to function and had responsibilities, and the priest would step into the outer court, and he had the ability to see what he had to do based on the light of the sun. He couldn't control the sun. It was naturally automatically there. And he could utilize what was there already to do what was God had him to do. But then the next level, they would go from the outer court to the inner court. In the inner court, there was a covering. It was a tent. It had a, had a roof to it. And in the roof, like any other room, when you walk into it, you had to have light. Even if it's a sunny day, you don't see it because you don't benefit from the natural. You need something different. And so they would have to bring in fire, and they would light the candles. And it's what they were able to bring to the table, you could say. They had to, what can they do in their own ability? And so the, the light, their natural abilities, they brought in light, and then they could see so they could function what God had them to do. But in the next level, deeper, the only the high priest could go once a year was a place called the most holy place. And in there, they would go in through this heavy curtain tent. And as they go into there, it had no natural sun. It had no candles. They could not take their ability or what was provided naturally for everybody. But in there, they still had a responsibility. And you might ask, how could they see? And under that, under that Old Testament system, what would happen is when they would go in, they had to make sure that they were sinless, that they didn't have sin in their own life or they would die. Because at that point, they went in and the light of God's glory would illuminate what they had to be able to see so they knew what to do. 
So they couldn't take the natural, what was available to everybody. They couldn't take what is specific for them uh, and bring to the table. They had to operate with the illumination of what God provided. How does that relate to us? When you get into worship, you can talk about what God is doing. Ooh, this is a good day. It finally hit 50 degrees in St. Louis and sunny. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And we're giving him thanks for what he's done, but he's done it for everybody. Come on, somebody. And then you get into the next and begin to praise him. Lord, I thank you that I, I praise you because you healed my body last year. I praise that I'm saved. I, I praise you, and you begin to praise him for what he's done, and also, you know, I mean, the things in your obedience. But there is a place in God that you can't bring what you can do to it. Come on, somebody. There's a place in the faith of God that you step into it, and you live a life not by what you see in the natural, but what you see in the realm of the Spirit. It's a it's a revelation from heaven. It's when the Spirit of God reveals the Word of God, and your, your neighbors, and maybe your family or friends look at you, and when you begin to speak, they look at you like you got three heads. What are you talking about? They don't see it, though it's obvious to you. You talk about Jehovah Jireh and that God is your provider, and you're going to have more tomorrow than you did yesterday because he's going to meet your need, and he's El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. And all they can see is the natural of what your checkbook says. But you see something greater than your current checkbook. You see the provision of God in your life. Are you listening to me? And you begin to operate by the revelation of what he has revealed to you. It's a place of worship based on who he is, just not what you can get. And like we did a whole series on Hebrews eleven six, without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe and that he believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So he re, he rewards you. But if all you go for, you listen to me, if all you go for is the rewards of heaven, you'll miss out on knowing heaven. If all you go for is what you can get from the, the Father's hand, you'll never get to know the Father than what's available to you. It's when you get to a place that, Father God, I'm going to choose you more than anything. Because there's times that you're going to have to step over, a step out of a boat and walk on water that in the natural you think you're going to lose. But God said, I'm going to take you up. Because you want me just more than that promise. You want me. And I'm not saying God doesn't want to give you the promise. The promises of God, the Bible says, are you with me today? The promises of God to you, according to the word of God, are yea and amen, which means they're already already approved and already completed. It's waiting for you to receive it. It belongs to you. But there's a place to those who are diligently saying, God, more than the blessing, and I thank you for the blessing. More than the healing, I'm thankful for the healing. More than all the benefits, I want you. And you begin to worship him for who he is. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You say, Pastor, go deeper. I did. You got to go watch it online. Our Father, which art in heaven, start off with worship. Get into the presence of God. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The next verse says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This has been flipped in the religious world mindset because we thought that if it happened, it's the will of God and we should just accept it. And everything that happened is not the will of God. Right. Though God is all powerful, he created a system and in his system, he spoke it. And he spoke it, he, Psalms 119, he has elevated his word above his name, which means within the context of his all powerful, he chooses to refrain himself because he created a system for Adam to be over. And all of a sudden we have to realize when Adam subjected himself to the devil, he brought the devil in that position of authority. But God sent Jesus, amen, and he died on the cross and he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave and he restored the spiritual authority. But it is not yet time in the natural for God to complete the natural authority. He has leased the earth to Adam. He has leased the earth to humanity. That's why demons would cry out when they saw Jesus because they perceived the anointing and the glory on him. Isn't it amazing that there's a place where we can activate and walk that you don't have to be praying. All you have to 
to do is be going somewhere. And even demons recognize. Demons that's in people tormenting them. And they can't understand it, but there's something different about you than anybody else. Why? Because they recognize. And they said to Jesus, aren't you the son of man? We know who you are. Have you come before the time to torment us? They understand that the the clock is ticking down, ticking down, and there is a time frame, and there's a time that Matthew 24 tells us that only, are you listening to me today? There, there is a time frame. This is not in perpetuity. The Father knows the time when he's going to wrap it up. Only the Father knows, not even angels, Jesus said in Matthew 24, but there is a time when he's saying, enough's enough. It's time. I'm calling my children home, and those who are dead in Christ will rise, and those who are still remaining will not be left, Thessalonians tells us, but they will be caught up in a twinkling of an eye, and we will forever be with them. I'm telling you, there's a wrapping up of time because at the end of the day the devil's plan is to create heaven on earth without God. It won't work. The devil's plan is to create a race of people after his image. We see that in the Nephilim of the Old Testament. But I'm telling you his plans are failing. His plans will not work. We I'm telling you in advance every every plan every weapon formed against you will not prosper and every tongue that rises up against you in judgment we condemn it. You are free. You are free. You are free in the name of Jesus. His plans will fail. And God's going to wrap this thing up. And he's going to deal with sin and evil. And he's going to punish it. And finally throw the devil and death hell in a grave in the lake of fire. And he's going to renovate the earth. I like renovation. Some of you do. Some of you are watching those TV shows. They walk into these crazy houses. And you're like, whoo, I wouldn't even want to walk through it. You can get a disease. But by the time they get done with it, you look at it and say, man, I'd like to own that house now. At first you didn't care for it. But now you want it. I'm telling you, you look at the earth and say, man, it's a mess right now. Don't worry about it. When Jesus gets done renovating this place, it's going to be the Garden of Eden again. It's coming back to the place of the plan because at the end of the day, the will of God, the plan of God will be done for those who are willing to believe and receive it. Are you with me today? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You got to remind yourself out loud, I'm going to win at the end of this game. I might be in a battle for my life. I might be taking one breath at a time. But at the end of the day, I win in the name of Jesus. You win in the name of Jesus. You win in the name of Jesus. You win in the name of Jesus. I speak the anointing of victory on your life because in Jesus you win. You say, where do you get that? From the Bible. Whosoever is born of God overcomes this world and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Now thanks be, that's 1 John 4, 4, 1 John 5, 4, 2 Corinthians 2, 14 and 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Write them down, look it up in your own time. But you'll find out that God has called you to be victorious in this life. Can I get a shot from everybody who believes that? Come on, any more than that. If you believe it, take the next 30 seconds and give a praise. I don't care if you feel it. I don't care if you see it from the natural. I don't care if people have agreed with you. They might be talking against you. But rise up and shine, Isaiah 60, verse 1. For your light has come, and the glory, the glory, it's the glory. Ooh, I'm telling you. Hallelujah. Thy kingdom come. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Whatever is available to you in heaven is available to you on earth. But you've got to receive it by faith. 
God still loves you. You can get to heaven without it, but you have an option to get it. The Bible says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. That's why we keep teaching the word. So the Holy Spirit reveals it to your heart and your spirit. And you can get that faith because faith, Romans 10, 17, comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Not just having heard. You've told that story before. You've used that verse. And I'm going to use that verse again and again and again. Because we need to hear it. We need to hear it. We need to hear it. Just because you had a good ribeye doesn't mean you never eat ribeye again. No, that last meal was good. I'm looking forward to the next meal. Are you with me? we got to keep going into the word of God and let the Holy Spirit reveal so that you become strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So when the enemy tries to rise up against you, you can let him know that it's too late. He, No matter how high he gets, you are already seated with Christ in heavenly places. Far above, the Bible says, Ephesians 1 says, that your eyes of your understanding be aligned that you might know the hope of his calling, the riches of his inheritance and the saints and the exceeding greatness of his power towards you, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him up on high, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that has a name. I'm telling you, if it's got a name, it's under your feet. If it's got a, if it's from the devil, it's under your feet. If it comes from the enemy, it's under your feet because you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. I'm telling you, get into the seat of that authority. Step into that command. Step, I'll tell you, step in that command. Sit in the seat that belongs to the commander and make a demand today in Jesus' name. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You know, uh, for whatever reason, this comes to my mind, but I love those Star Trek movies. And you know, the, the one who's the commander is the one who, they have a special seat. You're not supposed to sit in that seat if you're not the commander. Right? They, get out of that seat. The commander's coming. You don't have no authority to be there. But I'm telling you that he, the Bible says that he, is, he has been seated and we're seated with him. You might be still on the earth, but your spiritual authority is in alignment with Jesus. That you are, no longer, you are no longer alive from the context of your own ability. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. Are you listening to me today? God has designed it and enabled you that you can walk on this dimension called the earth in the natural, but still access what spiritually belongs to you in authority in the realm of heaven. Say, I, I sit in my seat of command. Say, I'm, step, I'm sitting into my command seat. And if you're in a command seat, what do you do? You make a demand. Jesus was talking to the centurion soldier and said, my servant is, is sick. And he's about dying. And Jesus said, I'll come to your house. And he said, listen, Lord, I, I, I don't, I'm not even worthy for you to show up. All you need to do is speak the word only. For I'm a man under authority and a man uh, under authority. And I say to one, come, and he comes. And I say to the other, go, and he goes. And I say to my servants, do this, and they do it. And Jesus looked and said, wow, I have not seen such great faith. No, not in Israel. Why? Because he understood the power of a command. He understood the power of demand. He understood rank and order. And what was he saying? He was saying, I understand and recognize. Jesus that in the kingdom that you are the highest authority and because you're the highest authority your authority is over even sickness and disease and all you have to do is send the word all you have to do is speak the word only and my servant shall be healed oh my God you don't even have to be in the space because in the realm of the spirit there is no distance are you listening to me you just don't have to say the word you got to send the word and Isaiah 55 verse 10 says as heaven and earth it says that as heaven pours out rain and water to the earth and 
it makes it produce. So shall my, verse 11, so shall my word be that goes forth. It shall not return void, but shall accomplish that to which it has. If you know that verse, shout it. That to which it has been sent. It doesn't say you said it. You got to say it. But when you're saying it, you got to send it. You got to send that word into your body. You got to send that word into your finances. You got to send that word. I'm talking to somebody. You got to send that word into that job. You got to send that word into the situation. It's okay. Jesus said, have the faith of God after he had spoken to a, to a fig tree and said to the fig tree, fig tree from now on because you did not do what you were supposed to do. And oh, there's a lot of teaching there. Fig tree, I'm canceling your assignment. No one shall eat from you ever again. What did he do? Peter called it cursing. Jesus didn't curse it. Jesus canceled the assignment. He sent a command. He sent the word. You got to be able to rise up and look at the situation and say, devil, take your hands off my children. Devil, take your hands off my body. Devil, take your hands off my finances. Devil, take your hands. I send the word and I command you, let it go in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Someone needs to shout, I'm free. Come on, shout, I'm free. You know, after you spend time in worship and now you get into the understanding, the command of the kingdom, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Oh, Lord, we're never going to get through this prayer, but that's okay. We'll do it in two weeks, I guess. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I'm telling you, there's something about the kingdom of God. It's the order of God. It's the priority of God. You know, to get in the kingdom, you've got to obey. Jesus said, no one who does, unless you do the will of the Father, you can't enter the kingdom. The kingdom of God is here. Some people think the kingdom of God is just heaven. No, Jesus said, listen, if, I've, if I delivered that person by the finger of God, referring to the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is at hand. Yes. Jesus told the disciples, the kingdom of God is within you. Yes. Don't look by observation, Jesus said, because the kingdom of God is on the inside of yes. you. What is the kingdom of God? It's the rule of God. Amen. It's coming under the authority. You can't pray an effective prayer life if you're saying, I'll do what I want anytime, and if i got a problem, you handle it, Jesus. It don't work that way. But when you begin to say, Lord, I submit myself. You're not only my Savior, you're my Lord. This is a Lordship thing. You say, but Pastor, I got things that, that I'm struggling with. That's why you need the fire of God. For John the Baptist said, there is coming one after me that I'm not even worthy to untie his shoestrings. And I baptize you with water unto repentance. But the one that comes after me, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. I'm telling you, in this phase of your time is when you become like David and say, search me, O God, like a book. And if there's anything that's displeasing, you show it to me. Remove it from me. Burn it out of me because fire consumes. And when you come through the fire, only that which comes from, from God will last. When you come from the fire, only the gold will be purified. But when you come through the fire and you have a bunch of chaff, you got a bunch of carnality, I'm telling you, that's when you got to get in the presence of God and say, God, burn out of me the wrong desires. God, burn out the wrong motives because I don't want to be praying what I want. I want to pray what you want. You won't act that way until you know him. That's why you need to spend time in worship. But when you spend time in worship, and then you trust him because you know who he is and he's only got good for you. And you begin to understand that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered the heart of man the things that God has prepared. Um, let me tell you, let me say it this way. What you have for you is not even good enough compared to what God has for you. God has better than what you want. I love that. I love that. Uh, praise report during the offering when you're struggling to get the answer maybe you're not praying high enough come on somebody because God's will is greater than your will 
we allow ourselves to settle for what God we think God has for us instead of saying well I guess this will be good enough and God said that's not what I have for you Proverbs 4 for the path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter you maybe need to look up a little higher you need to pray for something bigger you need to be saying God if I'm about to lose that job I know you have a better job you didn't call me God didn't call you to move laterally God didn't the kingdom of God you don't move laterally you move up you go from glory to glory to glory and to his image if you believe that take the next 30 seconds and give him a praise out of your own mouth you're going up you're going bigger go big or go home hallelujah hallelujah our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven Shh. well I'll just stop here it's already 11.30 help me Jesus we only got to two of the seven and I even, and I even tacked on an eighth one for a bonus thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven the kingdom of God is not meat and drink the kingdom of God is righteousness peace and joy the kingdom of God is righteousness peace and joy in the Holy Spirit not just joy in the Holy Ghost righteousness peace what am I telling you? The kingdom of God is initiated. It's maintained. It's invited all by the presence of the Holy Spirit. People say, I don't understand that. That kind of is a little different to me. Listen, everything in the kingdom of God is going to be a little different to your natural mind. The idea of the cross and Calvary and salvation and the blood of Jesus are different to the natural mind. The virgin birth is a weird thing to the natural mind. You living in heaven forever is weird to the natural mind. But in the kingdom, see it's getting quiet, but in the kingdom, the reason what is happening is we're trying to climb over the wall in the natural to get into the kingdom. And we are exhausting ourselves to climb over to get what we think and is good, but we're not doing it correctly. Jesus said, I'm the doorway. No man comes before me. And people are trying to climb over the wall, and we're exhausting ourselves to get what God has for us because we're trying to exhaust ourselves doing it out of our own ability. And instead of just trusting the Holy Spirit, help me with this. The person of the Holy Spirit is real. He's the third person of the Trinity. His presence is real. He's powerful. He's so powerful that Jesus said, it is important that I go away. What do you mean, Jesus? Let's just set up your kingdom now. You're here. We like you. Things have been really cool since you've been here. Things are really clicking now that you're here. He said, it's very important that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the Father cannot send the comforter. The paraclete in the Greek, another comforter. The breath of God, the ruach is the Hebrew word. The presence. He loved the presence of the Holy Spirit so much that even when, they, when he delivered someone from a demon and they said, you do that from the spirit of Beelzebub or the spirit of the flies, he, said, he went into a whole teaching about a kingdom divided. But then he went on to say, anyone who grieves 
me shall have forgiveness if they repent or blasphemes me. But anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit, there's no forgiveness in this life or life to come. The presence of God is real. He's real. More than an emotion, more than a song, more than just a, a goosebump, more than even being slain in the Spirit. And those things are all awesome. But we have defined the presence of God as an event that happens within the context of a service on a good day. Jesus said, he'll be with you and, and he'll be in you. You can have the presence of God on the inside of you. Out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. This he spoke of the Spirit, who had not yet come, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. People are afraid to talk about the Holy Spirit because Jesus said that he'll not speak of himself. Oh, I can't talk about the Holy Ghost. Well, listen, Jesus talked about the Holy Ghost. That's how we know about the Holy Ghost. So it's not that you can't talk about the Holy Ghost or teach about the Holy Ghost. It's about the fact that he'll not originate his plan. He's, he's doing everything in alignment with the Word. That's why when people start getting into this and they get weird and they'll start just doing what they want to do and tag on Jesus and use their title to enforce something and say, if it's out of alignment with the word of God, it's wrong. But the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's righteousness, peace, and joy. As, as children of God, we are citizens, the Bible says, of a new kingdom. And our king is the king of kings. Our king is the king of kings. And he's the most generous, gracious, loving king of all other kings. He wants you to be happy. Oh, I don't think God cares about my happy. Then you need to read the Bible. Because Jesus said, listen, I'm going to give you this, and I want your prayers to answer so that your joy would be full. Don't take my word for it. Challenge it. He cares about your peace. He cares about, he loves you so much. But pastor, I got so many issues. Welcome to the party. Let's let's not allow those issues to become a prison. Let's allow those issues to become a past event. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. To me, it's in this time of your prayer where you begin to just lift your hands and close your eyes and say, Holy Spirit, I just surrender to you. I invite you to fill me with your presence. Anoint me with fresh oil today. For your glory, Lord Jesus. Just lift your hands before the Lord right there. Just ask him. Does that mean I'm going to pray in tongues? You can pray in tongues, and that's a good thing. But we get caught up so much about praying in tongues that we miss out about the presence of the Holy Spirit. He's more than a prayer language, my friend. He will bring you into the kingdom of peace, the kingdom of love, the kingdom of righteousness. He has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Holy Spirit, 
rest upon your people right now. Those who are hungry, fill them. We thank you for your presence. Thank you for your presence. We invite your presence here. Lord, I know a lot of churches have turned their back on you, and I'm sorry. But we welcome you here. I thank you that you're the deliverer right now. I thank you that you're healing people's minds and their bodies right now. You are bringing the will of the Father, the work of the Son, in a manifestation right now. We welcome your presence. We thank you for your peace. Fill your people with your presence, your goodness, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Those who hunger and thirst. all to sing softly. As the organ player redirects, we're going to sing Thomas, hallelujah. Just softly, not even loud, just softly. Just eyes closed, hands raised if you would. change the atmosphere of your house right where you're at.
love you. Same song. every head still bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and do not have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm not asking if you know about God. I'm asking you this one question. Is Jesus Christ real to you? There's three groups of people I'm talking to today. Those who know the Lord, they know without any question, shadow of doubt that He's real and He's the Lord and Savior. Then there's those who don't know Him. Maybe you've never heard the gospel And there's those who maybe have been around the church and you know about God, but you've never had a real one-on-one encounter with Jesus. For those two groups that don't know him, this is your opportunity. This is your day. Maybe some of this obviously seems a little different to you, but I'm telling you, it's real. It will change your life forever. You don't have to have that cloud of darkness and evil and regret and condemnation hovering over you every place you go. Some of you, I don't know who I'm talking to, you strive with intensity because if you slow down, you're reminded. Today is your day for salvation. Sins forgiven, relationship with God, going to heaven, not going to hell. This is your opportunity to be free. With every head bowed and every eye closed, Romans 10 says, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Pray this simple prayer with me. Let it come from your heart. No matter your age, if you're young or if you're older, no matter what you've done, where you've been, what you've seen, what you've said or heard, today is your day for complete touch from heaven. Say this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I turn to you today. I repent of all my sins. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He came to this earth in the flesh, died on a cross for my sins, was buried for me, and on the third day rose again for me. Because I believe that, I open up the door of my heart and life and I ask you Jesus to come in be my Lord and Savior wash me in your blood forgive me cleanse me give me a fresh start thank you for saving me amen now if you prayed that prayer I want to first of all welcome you to the family of God we want to congratulate you 
I also want to just speak a blessing over you. Because when we leave this building, people, problems, situations, it's going to try to pull out of you what God's putting in you. And we have to be willing to stand our ground. That's why the Bible says that he will strengthen you with might by his spirit. I want to speak a blessing of supernatural strength in your life right now. That when you walk out of here, not only are you are changed forever, but you become a, a dynamic fireball for Jesus. Not weird, not different, not goofy. Goofy people are goofy, not Christians. They might be Christians, but they were goofy before they got saved. If you're goofy, don't tell people you're a member of Hope Church. Because I believe you could be spiritual and anointed and not goofy. But I believe that we need a spirit of strength and tenacity like never before in any generation. And so if you prayed that prayer, you might be, Pastor, I'm not comfortable standing up in front of people that I don't know. Well, you know what? As awkward as you feel standing up for Jesus in the room, I understand that. How much harder is it in the world? We need him to help us to stand. And so if you prayed that prayer, we're going to be clapping and celebrating. You don't have to come down. I just want you to stand so I can speak a blessing over your life. If you prayed that prayer, you mean business with the Lord. Hey, I just prayed that prayer. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Maybe you've just come back to him or it's first time either way. At the count of three, some of you are bold. I want you to stand up quickly to encourage those who are timid. But at the count of three, I want you to stand to your feet. One, two, three. Pastor, I prayed that prayer. Who do I stand? Come on. Come on, church. Give him a hand clap. Look what God is doing. Look what God is doing. Hallelujah. Stay standing. Stay standing. Hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord's been drawing my attention to you all service. Lift your hands. I command you to be free in the name of Jesus from all torment. Free in the name of Jesus. Stretch your hands toward these people, Father, in the name of Jesus. Right now, we thank you. We sanctify them. We, we thank you. We claim them for the kingdom of God. I thank you, Father God. We plead the blood of Jesus over their life. And we command every weapon that's been formed against them, it will not prosper. Every assignment from any person the devil put in their life, we cancel that assignment. We curse every curse. And Father God, help them navigate the decisions of life in the future by your spirit. And right now, according to your word, I ask you to strengthen them with might by your spirit and their inner person as they walk out of here today. And if they face temptation or opposition before they might have crumbled before they might have been rattled not any longer today starting today they are strong in the Lord and the power of his might and I speak that supernatural strength into their spirit man by the anointing of heaven in Jesus mighty name and everyone shouted amen Amen. God bless you you may be seated